Hey everybody, Luke McElroy from Mets Performance Consulting, back with another Physiology Secrets. I just wanted to quickly jump on today to discuss the Melbourne Marathon. So it's uh, Friday here today, obviously Melbourne Marathon in two days on Sunday. Uh, ideally, would have loved to have jumped on about a week ago to talk about a taper, but just wanted to, to jump on and, and just discuss some things in terms of race preparation and, and what to expect on race day for those who are maybe new to marathon running or, or don't really follow a structured plan. So the first thing I do want to talk about is say hopefully we have done a proper taper. So a taper would generally involve um, a a lower load week or even more than a week. So generally seven to sort of 12 days depending on the individual. And what that would involve is that we want to keep the intensity exactly the same, but we want to reduce the the total load or the total volume by 50%. So load being frequency, duration, and intensity. Okay, We want to keep intensity the same, so for a taper we want to reduce the frequency of training or the duration of training. So an example of this would be if you were doing 1k repeats at say 4 minute k pace with a, I don't know, a 1 minute recovery, um, sorry let's do 6 by 1ks, so 6 by 1k repeats at 4 minute k's with 1 minute recovery, you would still run those efforts at 4 minute k's, so the intensity would be unchanged. We'd still have 1 minute recovery, so the intensity is unchanged. But instead of doing 6 repeats, we only do 3 repeats. That would be a 50% cut in the load. Okay? Another way we could do it is if we did say, I don't know, say you run 6 days a week, you'd only run 3 days a week, but you'd keep the sessions exactly the same. So with a taper, we want to keep intensity the same, that way we don't lose any adaptation, any fitness, uh, but we want to cut the, either the volume or the frequency in half or a combination of the two, so that we get that super compensation effect, so that the body is fully fresh, it gets rid of all the fatigue in the legs, so you can perform best on race day. Now, obviously, it's only two days to the race, so if that's not the case, then um, obviously don't, there's nothing you can do, all right, but bad luck, it just happens. So two days from now, people ask, you know, should I run today, should I run tomorrow, so on and so forth, I generally do my last hard session or recommend that people do their last hard sort of interval session on the, the Wednesday or the Thursday, depending how long they need to recover. So with it being Friday now, it's fully recovery focused. Um, again, comes down to the individual. I like to do, if it's a Sunday race, I like to do sort of 20 to 30 minutes of an endurance zone, zone two um, continuous run with maybe a couple of stride throughs on the Friday and use Saturday as more of a, as a walk around active recovery day. Uh, but some people prefer to actually move around on the on the Saturday, so you do a rest day Friday and then maybe 20 to 30 minutes on the Saturday. So there's no right or wrong answer here. It's whatever works for your body. Just keeping in mind that we want to be fully recovered for Sunday. So definitely no high-intensity intervals today or tomorrow. Now, in terms of the actual race, I just had a look at the at the bureau, and it's looking at it's going to be about 24 degrees. It's going to be pretty warm. Um, not overly warm, but it's still pretty warm. So what happened at the Gold Coast Marathon for anyone who actually raced or heard about it, it was very hot, it was 30 plus degrees, very humid, and what happened is people's heart rates were very, very high. And the reason their heart rate was really high is because of the heat load stress. So when, when the body heats up because of, it could be a lot of things, it could be internal muscle, uh, body, muscle temperature due to actually running and producing heat in the muscles, but also it could be that external temperature such as the sun radiating down. So when the body gets hot, it sends blood to the skin. Okay, it sends blood to the skin so that we can actually start to sweat. Sweat's really important because we lose more than 70% of our heat load through evaporative cooling, through sweating. So what will happen on a hot day is you'll find that your heart rate's significantly higher. So a lot of people saw their heart rate was about 10 beats higher during the Gold Coast Marathon for the same rating of perceived exertion. So they might have been running at a 7 out of 10 effort level, but their heart rate, instead of being 170, was actually 180. A lot of people got concerned about that, and they reduced their, their running pace um, to try to keep their heart rate in their desired zone. Now... With 
with this, it, it's sort of a, it's a bit of a balance, but don't get too concerned if you see your heart rate five beats higher okay, on, on Sunday because it is going to be a hot day. If your rating of perceived exertion is still within that sort of range, so let's say you, you plan to, let's say your heart rate zone that you're supposed to run at is you know, 160 to 170 or, or whatever it is. If you find that it's actually pushing up to 175, but your rating of perceived exertion is still about a seven or whatever you aim for. So if, it feels, if, if your heart rate's 175, but it feels like it's only 165 like it would be in training, don't be too concerned about that. That's just your body working a little bit over time to to send blood to the skin to start sweating, okay? It's not gonna make a massive change in your fuel usage. It's not gonna make a massive change in your lactate accumulation. So it won't affect the body too much, okay? Really, really key thing with the hotter, hotter days and the humid days, I'm not sure what the humidity is gonna be like, uh, but a real key thing for the hot days is just to keep the fluids in, okay? Electrolyte drinks are, are probably the best for really hot days. Um, uh, as well as isotonic drinks. So the two differences, electrolyte drinks, they, they help with rehydration. That's like your, your Endura, um, your hydrolyte, that sort of stuff. So it doesn't have the, the sugar concentration, the carbohydrates, but it does have the, uh, the electrolytes, the sodium, the potassium. For a marathon though, because it's gonna be so long, we need to obviously weigh up the, the cost benefit of, of, of actually um, consuming fuels as well. Because it's gonna be such a long race, depending on who you are, it could take anywhere from you know, two hours if you're very, very elite, um, up to five and a half or even six hours, you're going to need to replenish your carbohydrate stores. So the body will use either carbs or fats for energy in a marathon, okay? We want to use carbohydrates predominantly because they're, we use carbohydrates at higher intensities. It takes less oxygen to actually burn and metabolize a carbohydrate than it does a fat. It takes two and a half times more oxygen and therefore about two and a half times longer to actually break down a fat than it does a carbohydrate. So when we're at very low intensities, we're gonna use fat because we have the time. Our oxygen demand is low, we're at rest. So we have the time to actually put that fat through a process called beta oxidation. It just means that the process of breaking down a fat and turning it into fuel. Whereas at higher intensities, we need the oxygen, so we need the energy quicker, a lot more quickly. So we start to use predominantly carbohydrates. After around about, you know, 65% VO2 max, which is kind of, I don't know, mar marathon, a little bit slower than marathon pace, depending on who you are. So when the intensity inc increases, we start to use more carbohydrates. When we run at our threshold, we use 100% carbohydrates because our oxygen demand is very high now. We don't have two and a half times more oxygen or two and a half times longer to use a fat. We're going to go straight to using carbohydrates because they're easily accessible. They're broken down very, very quickly. Now, the downside to carbohydrates is that, that a a normal sort of 70 kilogram male only has about 2,000 calories worth of carbohydrates, whereas they have 100,000 calories worth of fat. So we have unlimited fat stores, or we're enough for you know, two weeks of, of, of not eating. But we only have about enough carbohydrates for an hour 45 to about two hours of exercise unless we replace it. Now, a lot of people here are probably talking about uh, you know, maybe they're ketogenic, uh, on a ketogenic diet and in a bit of ketosis. Now, I'm not, this podcast is not going to go into the pros and cons of using a ketogenic diet. Um, all I will say is that the body's metabolism doesn't change depending on what you eat significantly. Okay, If you're at high intensity, you need carbohydrates. If you're at lower intensity, you can use fats. A ketogenic diet will allow you to use fats for a long time, but the high intensity exercise is going to um, suffer as a result because it's a slower process to break down fats. Now, sorry, phone just went off. Sorry about that. Um, so, carbohydrate loading and carbohydrates during an event. So, what I recommend with the guys, so I'll go, I'll go into race day first and then talk about preloading beforehand. Um, 
on the day, carbohydrates, do eat what you need to eat. So hopefully you've practiced in training what works and what doesn't. You might not like gels, you might not like bars, but you might like bananas, you might like chews, whatever it works out, you might just like sports drinks, okay? Uh, the isotonic sports drinks, Gatorades, Powerades, Proformance, those sort of sports drinks, they have a balance between carbohydrate replenishment and also and also your um, rehydration. So they're the drinks that I would generally recommend for a marathon because you need to, obviously, you're going to be dehydrating a bit, so you need to replenish that, but you're also going to be using up fuels a lot, so you need to replenish those as well. Um, so I don't recommend my athletes to have any gels or any very high sugary drinks for about 45 minutes into the race. And the reason that's the case is because as soon as we consume what's called high GI carbohydrates, so the, the, the ones that are that are used up very quickly, so your sugary drinks, your gels, your, your jelly beans, that sort of stuff. As soon as we consume high GI carbohydrates, our insulin levels spike, okay? So insulin is what's going to basically um, regulate our blood glucose. So when insulin spikes, it actually suppresses our fat burning and it, it inhibits our body's ability to use fat. So the reason I say we shouldn't use gels in the first sort of 30, 45 minutes or so is because we want to we want our body to utilize as much fat as it can in the initial stages. Now, you might be saying, well, if, if consuming carbohydrates is going to suppress our fat burning, why don't we just not eat any carbohydrates or drink any carbohydrates throughout the event? And it's a good question, but as I said before, we only have about 2,000 calories worth of carbohydrate, which is only going to last now 45 to two hours. So if you are racing a marathon, if you want to complete it as fast as you possibly can and, and do a PB, and, and unless you're... Um, Kipchoge doing two hours, you're going to need to consume carbohydrates to get through two and a half, three, three and a half, four hours, or however long your event is. In terms of how much carbohydrate you need, this is a very individual thing, and, I, and I'm not a dietitian, so I don't want to go into too much detail. It depends on your body size, depends on your intensity is a massive one. The higher the intensity, the more carbohydrate you use, as I said, because you're going to need it more quickly. If you go at a submax workload, if you just want to cruise through the marathon, you're not going to need as much carbohydrates because your fat burning will be better. Um, general rules. Females, you would want minimum of 45, preferably 60 grams of carbohydrates an hour, okay? One gel is about 30 grams depending on where you go. One sports drink is about 40 grams depending on which one you go. 45 to 60 grams would be about right, okay? Again, depending on, on, on body size. If you're, if you're a 185 centimetre female weighing at 80 kegs, you're probably going to need closer to the 60 to 70 gram mark, okay? Males, general rule, okay? General rule, 60 to 75 grams if you can. Really big guys would need 90, but... Pretty hard. I, I'm 85 kilos and I can't consume 90 grams an hour. That's pretty hard. I get a lot of gastric upset. Um, so you've got to find out what, what, what works for you. But females, 45, 60 as a general rule. Males, 60 to 75 as a general rule. Make sure you have plenty of fluid in terms of just water as well with that. You want, want to make it sit as well as it can. Now, hopefully, as I said, you've tried this in training and you're pretty familiar with what works for you. So uh, at the end of the day, do not try anything new on race day. Okay, that's, that's the, Everyone's saying that. That's general. Do not try anything new on race day, and I, I completely agree. If you don't have a nutrition plan, if you have, maybe if you haven't done many three-plus-hour runs, if you're not really sure what you should be doing, um, then these are the general guidelines, so use them as, as you wish. Carb loading prior to the event, okay? One to three day carb load is is shown to be very effective in, in super saturating our muscles with, with glycogen. Okay, glycogen is the fuel, it's the carbohydrate that we use. So what we can do, so maybe you don't actually, maybe you're not very good at consuming gels and stuff in the race. Well, maybe we can super, sorry, um, super saturate our muscles earlier uh, by loading one to three days prior to the event. So say it's Friday today. So for example, what would I do for a carb loading? I'm not massive on increasing the 
um, the amount of food that you consume because it, that, that's where we can get a lot of gastric upset and we can get a lot of bloating. We can get a lot of, um, run into a lot of issues, okay? So traditionally what a carb loading period would do is we would actually consume seven to 12 grams of carbohydrate per kilo of body weight. So if you're a 100 kilo athlete, you have to consume between 800 and 1200 grams of carbohydrate a day, which is more than 4,000 calories. It's a lot of food. What I tend to do, like a less aggressive approach, is replace proteins and fats, or a lot of your protein and fat, with carbohydrate alternatives. So let's say, instead of having a steak for dinner tonight, you have a pasta, okay? Um, in that pasta, you've obviously got well, pasta and you might have some pasta sauce, maybe uh, with, with the meat. Maybe reduce the meat content, but have some veggies with it or have some garlic bread because that's a carbohydrate-based alternative. So don't necessarily eat too much more just because you don't want to get too bloated and too full, but think what's fat out of, out of this meal, what's fat and what's protein, and is there a way I can supplement uh, or, or replace that fat and protein with a carbohydrate-based alternative. Okay, one thing I do a lot of is just sip an uh, not an energy drink, sip a a, a, a Powerade, a Gatorade, a, a performance drink quite frequently. Because if you're getting 40 grams out of that, you, it's, it's, it's a it's a double benefit. You're going to re, you're going to hydrate yourself, and you're also going to um, increase that that sugar content in the blood as well. So uh, one to three days prior, replace fat and carbs with so fat and protein with a carbohydrate-based alternative is, if possible, and also just sip away at some um, drinks that have carbohydrate in it. If you want to have a, a cheeky donut, it's probably the right time to do it, okay? won't go into too much more detail about that. But that's pretty much all I wanted to cover, guys. So it was a quick uh, summary for today. Hopefully you've done a taper, okay? 50% reduction in load, but keeping intensity the same. If your heart rate's a little bit higher, five beats higher on marathon day, don't worry, it's 24 degrees, it's going to be a little bit hot. You've also got adrenaline going through the body, um, you're pretty excited, okay? It's likely your heart rate will be a little bit higher. Keep to a, I always like to keep to a rating of perceived exertion. Use heart rate as a guide, pace as a guide, but your body knows what it can do on the day. Keep a rating of perceived exertion about where it was in training. Race nutrition, try not to have a gel for, or, or, or any sort of sports drink unless it's really, really hot for sort of 30 to 45 minutes into the race so we can use our fat burning to the best of our ability. But because we only have two hours worth of carbohydrates, we need to replace it through gels, through drinks, through um, bananas, whatever you can get your hands on, through chews, through jelly beans. And one to three days prior, so starting now, try to replace your protein and your fat, not all of it, but a lot of your protein and your fat with a carbohydrate-based alternative, such as breads, pastas, um, gels, uh, cereals, those sort of things. Okay, Google it if you need to. That's it from me. Good luck for the marathon, and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now.